Cal Nguyen was a product of the Vietnam War. His parents worked for the U.S. Armed Services, enabling Cal's family to be airlifted before the fall of Saigon. Cal enlisted in the U.S. Air Force after the 9-11 attacks. He considers it a huge honor to have served. Cal is an award-winning actor-filmmaker. His post-apocalyptic web TV series, Day Zero, has earned Cal several awards through the festival circuit. Day Zero is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Cal is a faithful Catholic, finding peace and comfort in his faith. He understands the blessings of calling himself a U.S. citizen and is forever grateful for this country. For it seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. To say that we are closer to victory today is to believe in the face of the evidence, the optimist who have been wrong in the past, Walter Cronkite. Episode 5, Cal's American Story. Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited today to have someone that I have actually never met in person, but I've known him for several years on Facebook. Cal is, his love for his faith and his country I really admire that, and he makes no bones about it, and he will stand up for his faith and his country, and he is not ashamed whatsoever, and I really admire that. The third thing that I admire about Cal is he is a very talented actor, writer, producer, and director here in the state of Utah, and I am really excited to have him today. He has an awesome American story to share with all of us. So welcome, Cal, and let's get started. Appreciate you having me. So tell me a little bit about how you came to America, because I know your story did not start here. Yeah, I was um, born during the war, Vietnam War, and Saigon, uh, what was called, we still call it Saigon, but you know, the communists call it Ho Chi Minh City. I was I was like about two years old. By the time the war ended, we actually left uh, two days before it ended, before uh, the Viet Cong came crashing through and took over and, and Saigon fell. My parents were working uh, for the, the U.S. Department of Defense as what they call foreign civil service. And so my dad was, he uh, was a translator as well as something else. But my mom, she did uh, some, I guess she handled all the in-processing, out-processing for the, the troops into their quarters uh, in South Vietnam. And we, fortunately, you know, thank God we got, because of that connection, we got dibs on leaving. So we, we weren't part of that uh, U.S. Embassy Scary. Fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we left on a cargo plane. I don't know. It was the C-110, C 130 something. I don't remember. But that got us out. And we had to live in Guam for a little bit. Not long, but we had to, then we flew out to Camp Pendleton. So you probably heard those stories. Mm-hmm. Camp Pendleton was a short stay. And all of my cousins on my dad's side, they actually, one of all of them, maybe, maybe all of them, were born technically in America because uh, they were born there in camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got sponsored by a Catholic community in uh, Jersey. So we left there, went to Jersey, and 
they they helped us out you know got us some kind of a section housing or something and only for a few years i think and then uh i lived in we moved to california i lived there majority of my life or half of my life i guess now i live in utah um i've been in utah since 2003 so yeah yeah my parents have since passed away i live now i live with my brother here and i was stationed up here when i when i joined the military you were of course too small to remember life in vietnam what can you tell me that your parents have told you about it anything you know, they didn't really say all that much. I don't know if it's because they were something about the war. And, and I guess they didn't really like talking about it. But they said just some, you know, how we were poor. They they dropped everything. When we came here, They my dad worked as a janitor. And my mom uh, went to school, tech school, to study a little bit of electronics and phone communications and things like that. And they, they actually eventually got work she got it first <laughs> and then he finally got on to the same company actually and uh so we we kind of moved around quite a bit in the states but yeah i actually didn't we got babysat a lot i was babysat probably about 60 percent uh, or 70 percent were english speakers mm-hmm. and the, the other 30 percent were vietnamese so i'm not very good at the language I, oh really I, yeah i get by i understand it better than i can speak it I can speak very basic. So growing up, your parents didn't speak Vietnamese to you. They did, but like, I just say it's like 66% Vietnamese to us. Okay. <laughs> the other third or not even third, whatever, quarter thing, you might have been that was partially in English. Okay. And so, yeah, we, uh, it worked. They always worked. So they would uh, have us be babysat. Even when we went to school, we would come back home, be babysat somewhere or at home or at someone's place. And we got to learn English quite a bit. I mean, we, that's all we knew, really. That, was, that literally was the first language, technically, because, yeah, we really didn't know the Viet- Vietnamese growing up. We would speak the basic stuff with them. But, like, yeah, that's just how it was. And then I think that's how it is for most of the, um, the refugees here. They... As some more than others, uh, I know. I know some who speak way better than I do <laughs> the language. But Tell uh, me what your life would be like if your parents had stayed in Vietnam? Oh boy, we would definitely be under communist rule. And it, it you know, for I understand, uh, and I've spoken to some uh, uh, refugees who came later. They were like fourth or fifth generation or a wave we call it mm-hmm. um they uh they said how the vc were propagandists and one of them the it was the owner of van loy in roy van loy restaurant mm-hmm. and she told me that she was in school at the time and they would hear the mortar fire going on over the airports and she said that the, the teachers would tell them that's just fireworks they never knew a war was happening. Wow. Yeah, that bad. And I would say that I would have gone under the same kind of re-education camp, if you will. They, um, they would have disciplined, you know. Um, and I heard that they would steal people's money and food at night. They would raid them, their homes at night. In the daytime, they would look like they're just regular cops and military. 
And then at night, they would go raid and collect everything that a family might have had or found or collected, gained, they would take away from them. And as a, the Catholic South was persecuted by the North. And it was um, because they're mostly either atheist or Buddhist or something else. It's weird because my dad's side is all Buddhist. And they're all, I would say most Buddhists are non-practicing Buddhists. (laughs) <laughs> but in America. And yeah. so, you know, the temple stuff they go to is, is once in a blue moon funeral or something. But yeah, I, I grew up in that kind of a, a family. And my dad, though, he, he, he married my mom. My mom was raised Catholic and he actually wore a cross and everything. So he, my mom said he believed in God. And so it was, yeah, it was just, I was culturally Catholic until I was baptized about age 10. I didn't understand it. You know, the church is, is, is going through a crisis. And we, the Vatican II Council, Council in the 1960s, it's, it's so odd the timing of how they cha- try to change the doctrine seemingly uh, through the change of the mass, the sacrifice of the mass that happens every, every day, really. There's daily mass, the mass and the Sunday wor- uh, worship. And they changed it from the Tridentine Latin mass to what they call the Novus Ordo, and so it's like all inter- intertwined with the, the United States in, in, during the hippie stuff. Because mm-hmm. the Novus Ordo, the new order of mass, then it wasn't promulgated officially by Pope Paul VI until 1970. So you got the 1968 Tet Offense in Vietnam. You got the, the Catholic Vatican Council II change. And, and then you got uh, the hippies protesting the Vietnam War. So you got, you got all this stuff happening. And I'm a product of this, you know? It's crazy. I know from following you on Facebook that your faith means a great deal to you, that it is the rock in your life. So tell me how your faith has helped you. I'm curious because I know that's like your cornerstone. That's what you build your life on. And again, yeah, that's a good question. Not it's a good to talk about it. He proclaims it to everyone and said, I, I admire that so much in you, Cal, because it's not real popular today to declare your faith, is it? You know, we're becoming in America like the communist countries like Vietnam and China and everywhere. And, you know, we don't want that to happen. No. And socialism is, is communism. It's the same thing. It's just another word for it. Progressivism, same thing. Liberalism if you will, modernism. Like in the church, we call it modernism. And modernism is a heresy. And, you know, so yeah, my, that's a good follow-up question because I had actually stopped practicing my faith when I was like around 18. Really? And, and I stopped, yeah, I fell away. And for about 30, 30 years after that, I was um, literally, yeah, not practicing my faith and uh, I fell into sin. And, and that happens um, a lot with, when they when you enter adulthood, right? You kind of like yeah. How much like you were, on your own? Yeah. Exactly, the rebellious time, the youth, <laughs> and uh, I. In a lot of it's attributed to the bad formation, really, and catech- bad catechesis. And it was um, the new modern Novus Ordo, the Vatican II world, where there's a lot of what they call false ecumenism of the Jesuits. The Jesuits, some somewhere down the road, they changed. And there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of Freemasonry going on there. <laughs> Some kind of injection there. 
But yeah, you know, if you read about it, there's a lot, there were a lot of infiltrators in the church in the 30s in the seminaries. And so now, granted, the, it's a tough thing to say because I came back to the church. I came back to my faith uh, in 2014. Back? What brought you back? God himself. So I literally had a two by four. I, I, it was a spiritual attack. I was actually demonically oppressed. And I thought I lit- it was in the form of anxiety and panic attacks. And I literally was, thought I was dying every day. <laughs> I was dying every day. My heart's being like crazy. I'm having these, I'm fainting all the time kind of thing. And I'm like, what is this? And I finally, I, you know, it was revealed to me. I finally, <laughs> I came crawling back to any, any, any of the local parishes. I said, hey, Father, I think I'm being attacked. And he's like, when is the last time you went to mass? Like, oh, like 30 years ago. Well, actually, I went, I went once a year or oh, okay. twice a year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, and he said, when's the last time you did confession? I was like, oh, yeah, that was like 35 years ago. So they, you need to go confess. And then as, so I did that. And as soon as I did that, I had these addictions, not drugs, but I, I had these addictions and they went away instantly. I had no urge right after that. And then this anxiety problem actually died uh, two years, like fully two years after that, wow. that period. Yeah. And then I discovered the, the Latin mass in 2015. And I was like, wow, why has the church like not told us about the ancient mass that's been around for 2000 years? So can you go to one that's a newer or you can go to the Latin? There's different parishes. Is yeah. That yeah. I'm sorry. Since I'm the not. New one? Yeah. The, the, new, the new mass, uh, the new mass ordo is in the local vernacular. So like here it's in English. Okay. But, you know, and I, I was going to that. And then I, as of last year, I stopped going. I've been going to a traditional Latin mass. And it's hard to find because, and now they're literally trying to kick out the traditional priests. And it's, it's sad. It's a sad situation. We have a Pope who is not, not traditional for sure. And he's literally seemingly non-Catholic. And so we've got prophecy maybe in the balance here. Something's going on. Yeah. You know, so yeah, we're, we're not just in a crisis of a political crisis, you know, with elections, but we're in a, a supernatural crisis. A divine crisis. Um, I think a lot of the communist type, they are, they would be against me. Like they seem to be, they would be against. I mean, I know for a long time growing up that white people, especially white conservative people, are always attacked like crazy. And it's funny because when someone like me is it doesn't buy their crap, they attack me probably more <laughs> than whites. It's kind of an odd, odd thing. And they're white. So here's left, left wing white. So here's huh? a question for you. Because you're in the film industry and it's Utah, yeah. so it is different from Hollywood or whatever. But oh, yeah. do you feel like you've experienced any backlash because you stand up for your values that you have been blackballed in any way? In the indie world, there's no such thing as some kind of organized thing like Hollywood. So you can't be blacklisted, but you can be like some people may not want to work with you or something like that. And you'll know who your real friends are kind of thing. Those who want to work with you 
uh, they got no problems. You know, they, they're not attacking you or anything like that. Yeah. And those are the people that, you know, I love because <laughs> they, you know, they're and, and they're, they're different religions and whatever, you know, different races. And that's, that's the telling sign on the other side. There seems to be in the film industry, indie film industry, still a majority socialist kind of mentality for some weird reason. And I, have, I think it has something to do with they're only right-brained or something like that. I'm not sure. I have to be both balanced with left and right brains because <laughs> I'm not only believe I'm not only creative, but I'm also very logical and very technical Yeah. at the same time. In my daily line of work, I work for the federal government. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, we do like security, cybersecurity and stuff. Uh, and so we work on, because, and, and this is just an uh, extension. I've been in the federal government for 17 years or so. It's an extension of my military service, you know, in the beginning. So I started there yes. when I enlisted. That's a great, that's a great segue, Cal. Yeah. Tell us about <laughs> how you enlisted, why you enlisted, when you enlisted. And I, I know a little bit of the story behind this and I, I think mm -hmm. it's fantastic. So tell us a little Thanks. bit about that. After 9-11 happened, I was working, I, I was literally working for Fortune 500 companies in the Silicon Valley. And during the dot-com era, it was a lot of tech, tech was happening and a lot of jobs. But then uh, I, I was laid off with a bunch of other people. It was a mass layoff. Um, so there was a lot of, it was happening already because the economy started being crappy and the dot-com industry started busting. So the boom became a bust. Yeah. And I was on a, like, it was like a third or fourth wave of layoffs in the company that I was with, the last one. At this time, I was um, going to acting class as well. But so I was having a kind of a, a soul searching, you know, moment of this whole, that, that whole time in my 20s. And when 9-11 happened, they, it was weird because I was going to go take a vacation to go to my high school reunion. Now I've been to three high schools, five or three high schools, three junior highs and five or six grammar schools and like- Moved you know, around a little bit. Yeah, 10 colleges or something, yes. So yeah, a lot of moving around and it was odd, but it was uh, like, yeah, what was I saying? So that I was trying to go to one of the, the high school reunions. And they, when the 9-11 happened, they said uh, the federal government downed all the airplanes, you know, mm -hmm. that, that day, number I one, remember. that day downed all the airplanes. You, you would remember that. And they- That was surreal, wasn't it? You look up at the yeah. sky and there's nothing up there and it's so quiet. It was, yeah, yeah strange. It's odd. Yeah. And you know what's really strange, Cal, if you have kids, which I know you don't, but for my kids, right. I can't believe you were alive then. <laughs> it was a historical day, right? It is- It, it was a day that will go down in history, unfortunately, yeah. but it was a big day. Yes. Yes. It, it changed, changed all, everything. It, although for not, I would say not as much as, as the, what I think is a hoax happening with this virus thing, the lockdowns and stuff. So this is like 1984, you know, the movie, the, <laughs> this is a, yeah, the verge of, of what they're uh, trying to do and they know it. Yes. Or animal farm, how they are becoming what they were, what they're afraid of or what they were trying to get rid of. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I got laid, when I got laid off, I had uh, that soul searching, you know, moment. I got received a call to join the service, not just a way to help the country, 
payback for 9-11, but like for Vietnam, forget it, you know, for those who came before, those who were direct or indirectly helping us. You're still soul searching. You haven't really gone back to the church, but you felt like God was calling you to do that. Yeah. It's it's, it's a strange thing. It is. It's like this journey, right? So a lot of people have a journey and some are not there yet. And that's where it began, really, right? All my way back kind of to the faith, because like, that provided discipline, it provided uh, a, a structure, an order. It's what I need. I am all about that. I need that. And otherwise, your life is chaotic, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and this is, uh, this is interesting because, I mean, you know, my dad used to yell at me all the time, and we had a lot of problems growing up. Basic training or boot camp, it wasn't like, I wasn't used to that. It wasn't like... Uh, it was so hard, though. <laughs> it was so hard. Because, so what uh, service yeah. did you join? The Air Force. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually started with the Navy, which is weird because I, it was really because of a friend of mine joining the Navy. And so I kind of talked to them first, kind of like that. He's cool. He's a funny guy. I think the Navy guys are the, the funniest guys. But like they, he kept on bugging me too much a little bit, you know? And then, uh, and then I talked to the Army, and the Army guy didn't seem to care too much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I skipped the Marines because there's no way. Oh, <laughs> there's no way. Yeah, they're the so, few crowd. <laughs> yeah, Air Force was like, uh, like in my alley. I always loved flights. I was love like airplanes. And I was um, technical stuff, and Air Force is about, all about tech, technical stuff, and you know, IT uh, and space as well, which mm-hmm. I'm interested in. I have to do a sideline here, Cal. Have you watched the right stuff? I had, yeah. Back in the past, yeah. You, have you been watching the series, though? No, I have not. Oh, did you know there's a series? I didn't know there was a series. It's yeah. on Disney Plus through National Geographic. Oh. oh, okay. No, it is excellent, though. I don't know if, a, if a Cal realizes this or not, but another thing that we have in common, you know I go to Comic-Con every year. Yep. Yep. And yep. I take- I'm, I'm, I'm there, you know, when we are able to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, Dan Farr, he is the founder of Comic-Con, Salt Lake Comic-Con, yep. for those of you who don't know, which is probably most of you. I actually, my husband and I lived next door to he and his wife, Stephanie, for years. So I, I know Dan mm-hmm. and he's, he's a good guy. But for those of you who've never been to Salt Lake Comic-Con, Stan Lee said it was the best. It is. Cal could I uh, and I could probably talk about those things too because I love going to Comic Con. We I don't think you dress up, right? You're not a cosplayer, but I have dressed up, uh, but not not like um, a full dress or anything. Just okay. once in a blue moon, I dress okay. up with the basically the shirt. Okay, you know, a Star Trek yeah. shirt or what? Like a Star Trek. One time I I wore this science fiction looking jacket that I actually wore on a short film that I was in. <laughs> so I have to ask you what your fandoms are. My what? Fandoms? Your fandoms. What, I, what, what do I like? Yes. Like Star Trek. What else? Oh, yeah, yeah. Star Trek, Star Wars, Highlander. I used to like The Walking Dead until killed off, uh, what's his name? <laughs> and, it know, got the, too much. I lost interest yeah. with like Glenn and what is it? Yeah, Glenn. That, that was so gross. I didn't, like, oh, yeah. I was gone. I think everybody literally dropped off. At that point, yeah. Yeah, it was too much. Well, I don't know, like, I, I hate that. They went overboard. I'm not about that, yeah. I'm really boring and mainstream, so I'll just, mine are Star Wars, Harry Potter, Avengers, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. 
once upon a time. I'm boring. I'm mainstream, but I make no excuses. I love it. So it's fun. And my favorite thing to do, and then we'll go back on Cal to our, what we were supposed to talk about is I love to go. If I didn't bring my kids with me, I would just sit in the ballroom all day. Ah. <laughs> the love I mean, electricity in there. <laughs> I'm more along where you're at right now because of my faith. I think yeah. because, but before I didn't, before I, I started practicing again, I didn't, I, you know, I would watch and play, I watched, you know, whatever, Goodfellas, um, Scarface oh, and all Game these things. Game of Thrones. Have you watched that? I've never watched that. Yeah. Oh, I, I tried that, through but... the first episode and I oh, couldn't yeah. do it. It was just like. Oh. I, I know it's wrong though. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. And, and it, so I, I, I grew up watching, um, you know, all manner of stuff. So I do know. I you know, would remember, I didn't know those things. I don't do it now. Yeah. Even though I have the copies of like Blu-rays and stuff, but I don't revisit it. And if yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I want to find a clean version or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, same with video games. So for that. So you're yeah. going, so let's get, let's get back on the track. Yeah. What was I saying? Wait, oh, so you joined um, the military, you joined the air force. Yeah. And, and I wasn't, I was, I was like, yeah, as you pointed out, I wasn't practicing my faith during my service and my my belief is in hindsight is that i wish i did because when you're you know you're in the service you know when i was i felt i actually felt a little lonely i felt a little lonely it, even though um, we had camaraderie you know with the other airmen yeah and it became like a second family sort of whatever but uh, i i did i you know you would say that i would say that about like my film family too but like I would still, if I wasn't practicing my faith, my faith, I would still feel a little lonely. I would have an issue. See, because like, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, you don't have, if you don't have the peace of, of Christ in particular, you don't, you rely on other humans too much, right? You rely on people to fulfill your life. So did you ever go overseas? I'm fortunate I did not. Um, Unfortunately, I, you would have liked to. I actually try to volunteer. I, I would have liked to gone to certain places, but like fortunately, I, I didn't, I, you know, but I would, I, and I, I, I raised my hand, <laughs> but they didn't need me. And I've done TY, the, the, the furthest out I've been is probably like Alaska, Alaska in Hawaii okay. or something. Yeah. But, but yeah, and all over the, the US. But I, yeah, I didn't, and then I think it's God, it was God's will. And who knows, I, I could have gotten PTSD or something out of it. Oh. Yeah. So how long were you in? How long? How I was long four years. At, yeah, four years active duty. Okay. Uh, afterwards, I joined the reserves, the Air Force reserves. Okay. For I was drilling for about actively drilling for three years. After that, and I separated. They were remissioning our unit. I actually was the guinea pig. I was, I was first to, first to volunteer to leave during the remission. And most of the reason was that my leg. I had a bad leg from the active duty. The my knee. Okay. And I I couldn't get. I couldn't do the PT annual PT test. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my yeah I had to take, I had to get a waiver, like 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 three waivers, and so it's kind of like yeah, and I don't, I don't want to be a drag. I want to be a drag. My niece's husband <laughs> is in the Air Force, and I know right now he's getting ready to do that annual thing, so he's starting his oh, yeah. training. Yeah. There you go. They're yeah. In California, Travis. Oh, nice. You know, <laughs> I'm jealous. I I always wanted to get to Travis, and never <laughs> nobody. It's, Nobody could get me over there. It's out in the middle of nowhere, though. Have you been there? It's out in the middle of I know. nowhere. Yeah. The only reason I wanted to be there was it would have been closer to home to 
yeah. my parents and whatever. Yeah, they've, um, they've yeah. been all over. They've been in Italy. Um, he had to go to Greenland and he's been in wow. Afghanistan. She didn't get to go for either one of those. But I'll tell you a funny story. When he was in Greenland, there's not a whole lot to do there. And he actually broke his arm, arm wrestling. Wow. The doctor over there said that's really common. That, that <laughs> happens more often than you think. And it took them a week to get him off of Greenland to Walter Reed. So by the time he got to Walter Reed, this is what's really sad. His wow. nerves were all messed up and it took him a year to get the feeling back in his hands. It was, wow. it was crazy. Man. Yeah. Because of arm wrestling. <laughs> yes. Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, he has a massive scar down his arm. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah. And he had to wait. There's nothing to do there. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, there's nothing to do there. So they yeah. do a lot of exercising. She told me he was working out a lot oh, because yeah. he had nothing else to do there. He's an yeah. air traffic controller for the Air Force. Wow. Yeah. I, I knew a couple of those guys. They, it's a stressful job, uh, especially like the civilians as well <laughs> in, in the, uh, the airports. But yeah. It pays the big bucks, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard job. They're always busy, I guess, but yeah. yeah. I mean, people say that about Utah though. They think that there's nothing to do here. Like the people who never, who never lived here and they come here for, cause they're stationed here at Hill. And they, I, you know, I, I've known guys like that and they, they all said that and, and guess where they go. They try to leave and the, only, the easiest way to leave, the fastest way to leave is to take a stint in Korea. So they go to Korea. Why? Yeah, yeah. just so they can, uh, they do 15 months there. And so then they can get to choose now their next top five places. So they try to choose elsewhere, you know, whatever, whatever state. They usually get it, but I've known guys that had to come back to Hill. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and they start hating it again. They're like, yeah, it, it is weird. I mean, granted, I, I, I joined when I was 30 and these guys are eight to 10 years younger in general, you know, than me. And they, um, and so. What's the oldest you can enlist? Technically in the Air Force, it's 28, but I had to write a, a letter to the secretary of the Air Force uh, saying, hey, why do, why do I want to join? And what do you, why do you think I should uh, be allowed? And so I, um, I just basically wrote a very patriotic letter to the secretary of the Air Force. And then he came back in like two weeks and he said, granted. <laughs> so, so here's, okay. So I was 30. there's a lot of racial tension seems to be mm -hmm. whatever, at least the media makes it seem that way. Yeah. You live in you live Utah and mm -hmm. you're a minority in a couple of different ways, yeah. right? He is not... Yes. The, uh, the faith that most people are here, not so much anymore, the faith that I am. I'm um, LDS, mm -hmm. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. And so he's Catholic and you are not Caucasian. <laughs> have you experienced any, I mean, have you, what's your experience been with that? It's interesting. I would say that the majority, you know, like 99% even of who, those who profess to be Mormon are not racist, you know, and th there were people who were not Mormon in the military, in the Air Force, when I first came here, few, a couple in my own workshop, you know, my own shop, my own unit, uh, who were, uh, in fact, a sergeant, an NCO was racist uh, against me. And he, uh, he got called out, he got called out, chewed out, not necessarily like individually, but he, uh, Kind of like the chief 
the shop chief. He's a master sergeant. Uh, and he said, he said something to everybody, you know, when everybody was there in the office. <laughs> uh, and he said, what, what was really profound was he said, you know, that's the thing about what, what I'm surprised about is, is people, you know, those who profess, you know, those who are in the rank of a non-commissioned officer, and you should know better. So, yeah. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so I was <laughs> sadly discriminated, but not by civilians. What yeah. do you think of uh, the sy- systematic, how do you say it? Systematic racism. Do you believe that yeah. an actual thing in America? I, I believe it's false. And um, otherwise Obama would never have been elected. The, it is a Marxist, politically correct, tool that they use to brainwash the public into believing one side is against something, you know, that they shouldn't be. And they try to use this with police officers, right? So, but the good, a good chunk of police officers are non-white. And so, and I've been actually been discriminated back in California by police officers, a couple who, uh, one was I, one was non-white. And uh, so me and my brother, we were both, and I don't know, I, I'm not sure if that's something to do. Just seem, to me, it seems like the, the American thing was, is, well, blacks are going to be the favorite minority and then Hispanics. Asians are nothing. Yes, where does that leave nothing. you? <laughs> Particularly male Asians are yeah. nothing. Yes. There's a, a, a and then in the film industry, there, there, in Hollywood, there's always been a discrimination. Now, the country started with bringing Chinese to build build the railroads, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and they they did, they wouldn't let both parties, Democrat and Republican, back then did not like, did not want, and they prevented them from marrying even their own women. So they did prevented the females from coming from China. <laughs> so just imagine what they would want pre- want to prevent marriage outside of that. So there is a there it has been a pro kind of a profound issue against Asians, in particular males. Now you look at commercials on TV today, who, who do you see the most, right? So yeah, you don't see whites. You don't see whites the most, but you don't, definitely you don't see Asians, right? Now when you do, it's, who is it mostly? Females. So yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's just the truth. That's just the stats and the facts. And now, I don't, I have never in my life have let that run my life. You see, I play my own game, my race, you know, I play, you know, run my own race. I don't discriminate uh, back or anything. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a chip and I'm disappointed when people do have chips on their shoulders. Do you believe that any person, regardless of race, can become anything they want in this country? Oh yeah, totally. It, 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 and this country was built for, because of that, you know, I mean, it was, it, it, back in the day, you might say, oh yeah, all whites are the same or something. <laughs> the Europeans, they're all different. There's, there's different European cultures and they didn't all get along. The Irish were discriminated. Now remember back in World War II, FDR rounded up German Americans, Italian Americans, right along with Japanese. Now, the Japanese may have been, maybe they were treated worse, but like, but there's, it's still a little bit similar with the others and they would, 
given their their air like these places they were forced to live right yeah yeah but as far as this reparation stuff i, I don't believe in that and this and the sins of the father do not pass on to the son okay so you know now there's a generational sin that is is um what in the church we say is uh, is a supernatural thing uh, uh kind of a hex curse if you will that if you have i don't believe it applies in the, the legal or financial world i believe it applies in the supernatural world where i mean you're not owed you know there's, there's still nothing like where like you need to like apologize for something that you know some ancestor did but for yourself you need to pray spiritual warfare deliverance prayers away for generational sin like at least for yourself so yeah so like i pray that if there was any murderers or anything like that in my family in the, back in the day the in bc time or something <laughs> yeah whatever you know may that be t- uh, broken tossed and chucked and bat- bound with you know with those demons to the foot of the cross and be done away as Christ sees it, as God sees it. So, so um, I want to um, end this with two questions, okay? Yeah. I'm going to end our interview with two questions. And the first one is, how did your parents feel about America? That's a good question. My parents, they didn't really talk all that much, uh, you know, about about their feelings of, of those things. Because, like, if they didn't talk about Vietnam all that much, right? Right. If the war, then, you know... It, they didn't really talk about what they felt or thought to us or anything. They didn't describe anything to us. They're really protective of us. They're really protective. And uh, and that, I think that's how, you, how it should go. I mean, for children, anyway. But like, when you're grown up, yeah, they didn't really talk about it. And they got dementia. And they died from that. And like, it, it, it could, I don't know if that played a part into just, you know, them not talking about things. But I, I, do, believe, I do think, though, that they felt very grateful being here that they had another opportunity, a second chance. They were grateful for the military and, and the U.S. government for getting us out of there, ba- basically saving our lives from the, the, the commies. And they, I, I think they became patriots here. They, you know, we all got our naturalization like around the, around the same time, uh, period, give, uh, give or take a few years or so. But uh, yeah, I, I, that, was a good, that was a good day. And I don't understand why that people who come here and try to, particularly celebrity types, right? They say, you know, that's the one that we know about, who say they have multiple citizenships across the world. It's like, no, no, no. When you raise your hand, you do the oath. You swear that, you know, not only to defend the, the, right. the Constitution uh, against foreign and domestic enemies, right? but you also renounce your former country. You renounce your former nation. No more. You don't. Um, you you don't have any ties or any allegiance to anything but America. And so, so how can they say this stuff? Now, if they say this stuff, I think the U.S. should say you don't get to vote because you don't get to vote here because you, your allegiance is to all of these countries, not us. What is this? So yeah, because the U.S. does not recognize their citizenship. Now they go over there. They recognize the U.S. citizenship. Who cares? Yeah. And Cal, I know that you, you miss your parents every day. I know that you were very close to them, and I think that says a lot about them. Yeah. It's easy to see how much you love them. Yeah. Thank you.
I, um, I, I, it's not, not day goes by, you know, kind of thing. But uh, I always, I pray for their souls and I pray, I ask, I talk to them. I know it's one-sided verbally, but, but I, um, I know like in heart of hearts and that uh, God, God will take care of things. And um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, we have to have faith and we have to, um, it's, it's a mercy, right? So it's up, it, it is up to him. So, but that's all we can hope for, right? We can hope for it. And, but we can also warn others too, because they, too many, too many are, they, they think they can get away with stuff. They, they think they can avoid jail, but they can't avoid hell. So. Someone's always watching, think, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They better think about that. But they won't, they won't think, you know, the ones who don't think about it, they weren't going, you know, they're not, they were going to go there anyway, because they want to go there. <laughs> now, that's what I try to think about with this country and with things right now, the way they are and yeah. thinking someone else is in charge. So I have to have faith in that. And those of us that can speak, we need to speak. Amen. And so I will follow that up with what does America mean to you? America is, is the, the symbol of freedom and, you know, God's, I mean, the next, the, the next best thing, to connect heaven with earth. Um, I is, love that. I have never <laughs> heard it that yeah. way. Oh my gosh, Cal, that's so good. You're making me emotional. That's really yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, we, it's actually kind of like really from the, uh, the, what I was, what I read about like the mass is when the priest calls down, consecrates the host and to become the body and blood of Christ, uh, heaven opens its doors and we are back at Calvary. So, so that's that's how we participate and join in union with him and all the saints and stuff like that, because um, it touches the bread from heaven is here. So, you know, so I, I view that. I mean, we, you know, leaving a, a place like Vietnam and and coming here, you, like, man, how would you want? Why would you want to be locked down and then executed? You know, when when here we have that that basic freedom and it's built in to the constitution. It's built in to everything, the preamble. And, and I, I only wish that they kept the articles of confederation because it says God, whereas like constitution says creator. And I, I don't know, you know, we, we, we are to be punished and, and persecuted. We're all, you know, but I, I do pray every day, like, you know, in like Sodom, even if there's 10, people striving to be holy spare us O oh lord once there's zero holy <laughs> okay now you can destroy it <laughs> yeah there's millions of us trying to be and so i i believe in the end we're, he's going to spare us and it's frustrating because you have to use the process of courts and stuff i mean a lot of people are like the qa non you know i call that i say it's a cia psyops conspiracy thing because it's almost the enemy is trying to distract and throw people off by saying, Hey, we got all these other things and this is going to happen. And some weird stuff like, Oh, these are clones. Yeah. Clones. What are you talking <laughs> about? So yeah, don't, don't believe the weird. Cause like, if you thought that was going to be the case, then why didn't it happen before the election? Why didn't 
you know, say Inter Insurrection Act or whatever happened before the election. All this stuff could have happened. I mean, if the president already knew this stuff, they were going to pull the stunt, then could have easily done something. But then people worry about, oh, he's going to be called this or that. Who cares? The media is one-sided. doesn't matter. That's a test, right? It's like a trial. And you have to pass that because staying the same way, you know, like staying the course and not letting insulting words affect you. Wow. I got teary-eyed. I can feel how much you love this country and how much you value your faith. And I hope that the listeners can feel that because I can definitely feel it. And that's why I got teary-eyed because I can tell how much you love this country and how much it means to you. I appreciate it. Cal, thank you so much for your service. It means yeah. a lot to me and it means a lot to many people. And thank you for sharing your American story. You're awesome. Thank you so much. You too. I appreciate the opportunity and I'm honored. Thank you for listening to episode five, Cal's American Story. It is crystal clear how Cal's faith, his parents, and love for America have formed him into who he is today. Join me next Friday for another inspiring American story. Remember to subscribe and leave a rating. You can also join our Facebook group, American History, Our Heroic Journey. Until then, see you soon.